All right, let's just, just focus. Let's, right now, let's just all take a moment. It's all about Jesus. It's all about you, Father. Mm. Yeah, just take a moment. Be still and know that I am God. You are God, God. You are sovereign. And we trust you. We trust you, Father. You are worthy, God. Worthy to receive all honor, praise, and glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Isn't it amazing when we just take that time? <laughs> just wow, just even to focus on Him. You know, I think we go through life sometimes so busy, and life can be so fast paced that at times we don't take that moment to pull off at the side of the road and focus, and focus on his peace. I'm always amazed at how God works, like just through the worship, through the words, we receive that it just ties into what God wants to say this morning. But before we go there, I really want to welcome two special people here. <clears throat> Guys, this is amazing, seriously. The, I, I think it's been, what has it been, like a decade? So this is Juanita and Kylie Ferguson, and uh, they were the ones that were a part of River of Life Community Church, which we planted in British Columbia. So let's welcome them. And you know, what was that? 1996, I think it was, 97. Wow, that's a ways back. Um, and they're here this morning, and I, I don't think I've, like, it's been a long time since we've seen you guys. Oh, I'm so glad you're here, really. And uh, I remember, you guys don't mind if I share a story, eh, about you? But, um, you know, we were talking, <laughs> we were talking about, you know, being, taking that moment, taking that time to be in the presence of God, because it changes you. It totally changes you. And I remember when um, they first came, Kylie was the first one to come. She came, we did a, a youth uh, outreach. She came to the church, River of Life Community Church. She came and she was a part of that. Then eventually, I'm not sure how she got her mom to come because her dad was like, he was kind of all over the map at that time, if I remember right. And so her mom came and she walked in to this building, it was, a, it was a mini strip mall, and each morning, we would just start with the worship, like what we do here, praise, and she came in to this, and she, she later on, she says to me, I remember her crying and saying, what is this? What is this? She, she said, I'm a nurse, and what is this? But it was the presence of God. It was the presence of God. And then later on, um, her husband would come. Jim would come too as well. And here they are. This is, we're blessed to have you. This morning, what I want to focus on is I know who you are. 
And the question we have to ask ourselves is, I know who you are, that God is faithful and true. Because when we know who He is, things change. I mean, we think of the, uh, the road to Emmaus. Does anybody know what happened on the road to Emmaus? Wave me. I just want to see what we got. So you know what happened. They were walking, and they weren't even aware, but Jesus was with them. And because of that, their hearts were burning. There was something that was changing, something that was going on in their lives. And when we get into the presence of God, things begin to change. I mean, you look at the fact, here is the religious leaders. And looking at these disciples, looking at these guys that Jesus handpicked, and saying to themselves, well, these guys, they're not educated, but they took notice. They noticed something. And what did they notice? They noticed that they had been with Jesus. Because see, when you're with Jesus, something changes. I mean, I've, I face, face um, trees, pretty big trees in my line of work. And uh, I go up against these trees, and there is a very level, there's a level of risk in that. And this one guy at the job site, he asked me, he said, he says, what percentage of risk do you have? Like, at my last job, he says, what percentage of risk? And I, and I said to him, minimal, maybe 1%, maybe no, because he thought maybe you have a 25%, you know, well, that would be way too high in trees. You want to make sure you're secure. And when you're up there and you're about to cut a piece that's, let's say, 40 feet tall and you're really close to the tree, you want to make sure that whoever's pulling it is not going to pull you too. So everything has to be right, the tension. And so when I go in this, I know I have this confidence. But where does that confidence come? Yes, it comes from experience. But it also comes knowing, knowing Jesus knowing Him, that His hand is on me, that, that He can give me that wisdom to be able to face that. And so it is, when we're walking in, in life, we need to have relationship. See, the key is relationship. In Colossians chapter 1, if you turn to Colossians chapter 1, <clears throat> Paul's talking in Colossians chapter 1, and he says to the church of Colossae, and he says, listen, there's something I really, really want to get across to you guys. And he says this, it's this. I want you to increase in the knowledge. I want you to increase in the awareness and the knowledge. Let's see here, Colossians chapter 1. Let's just go there. And everybody there? Colossians chapter 1. And it says, verse 9, For this reason we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things, that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, and desiring to please Him in all things, being bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
So what Paul was saying here is he wanted them to be fully, to go deeper. You see, if you're going to jump in the deep end, and some of, and God may be calling some of you to do that, you want to know that God's with you if you're going to jump into the deep end. You want to be aware of that. I remember, um, how many sailors are here? Do we got any sailors in the house? You've sailed before? Okay, so I'm going to have to explain a little sailing terminology. But when you're sailing, one of the things is you have to be aware of is what's under the boat. In other words, you got to know when you're going to be shallow. and whether, Because on the sailboat that I have has a keel. Okay, so a keel, you've got the bottom of the boat, and you've got a keel, okay, which is six feet. And this thing is, is basically what guides your boat. So when the wind blows, your boat's not going this way, but you're still going straight. So you've got the sails up, all right, the wind's blowing, you've got the keel, okay, which keeps the boat from going sideways. So here I am, and uh, I have the knowledge about this boat, 33-foot boat, and we're going to sail it across from Canada to the United States, so Lake Huron. We're at Lake Huron, and I had three fellows with me, and here we are, and it's about 50 miles across, okay? But what I didn't know, come on, and this is what sometimes affects us, even as believers, what we don't know about God. What I didn't know was that on the other side, the states, on our side, we had sand. But I didn't know that they had boulders the size of houses on the other side. Right, right. So I'm going across this lake, and um, it's getting dark now because the sun's setting in, and, and sailing takes a lot longer than if you were going to drive that, okay? And so we're about two miles from shore. And on a sailboat, you have what you call a depth finder. What is that depth finder, Lloyd? Well, the depth finder is going to tell me how deep I am in the water and if there's obstruction. So I look at my depth finder about, about maybe about a mile now from shore. So we're going across. And my depth finder has a sad face. You know, it has a sad face. Now, I don't know why they put a sad faith face on a depth finder because usually you have a happy face. But they had this sad face, and I knew that wasn't a good thing. And sure enough, sure enough, we get to this point where we hit this boulder. This rock, and my keel is now stuck. We just, let, we just went onto this rock, and we're not going anywhere. And so the wind is blowing. It's nighttime. What are we going to do? And so I won't tell you the rest of the story yet, but um, it, was, it was crazy, but I'm going to tell you this, is that I didn't know. And see, Paul is saying this, you, you need to have this awareness of who God is. Because when you go through some rough waters in life, the devil will come along and say to you, because his operation in John 10, we know that God says, I've come to give you what? Life. 
Not riches, as some might say, prosperity. And speaking of prosperity, I believe there is a release for finances in this room today, too. I want to say that just right now. Yesterday, it was crazy. I was at Tim Hortons. I saw this Tesla. And I was looking at, I was trying to figure out who owns this Tesla and Tim Hortons. And then finally, I saw this guy there, and he pushed the button. You know, the, the doors went up. Then the second time, I saw another Tesla. So I was asking God what this is about, and I really believe that God does want to release finances. And some of us have struggles in that area and finances, and God wants to re release it so that you get those unexpected deposits or checks that you can use because God knows whose hand He can put that in, who He can trust, right? God knows. And we know He's a good God. Some of you just got to put your hands out right now, right? And believe for that. Come on, believe for that. Let's take it, receive it. Take it and say, yes, Lord. And God knows that you can use that for His kingdom. So here we are. I didn't know. <clears throat> so the enemy comes along in my situation, and maybe it's you. You're waiting for a healing, and it hasn't come yet. You're just saying, I don't know. And the enemy comes along. Is God faithful? Is God true? Or a situation where your finances are like that. And God's saying, just take a hold. And it could be a timing thing too as well with God. But you don't know. And this is why Paul was so intent on letting them know, you need to know, go deeper with God. Deeper. You see, if you have a relationship with God, there's got to be talking involved. If you don't have talking, you're not having a relationship. So if your conversation with God is only here on Sunday morning, that's not a good thing. That conversation has to be ongoing with Him. Because He dialogues with us. He, and He begins to show us things that we can believe for. Because when that windstorm comes, I'll know which trees are not, are not right. I'll know. If there's rot within the tree... When that windstorm comes, it'll break. doesn't matter if it's just a little rot, whatever. That windstorm comes along and tests that tree. It begins to shake that tree. And then all of a sudden, you begin to see. You begin to see what was wrong with the tree. Right? And sometimes when we go through that windstorm, when we go through that, that point where God is things around us, I mean, I think of... I think of Daniel or I think of Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego when things around them didn't look pretty promising. You're about to face a furnace because of your, you know, you're honoring God, but you're not honoring. We want you to bow down. But they knew better. And they were so willing to give their lives, to put their lives in the hands of God and be in a situation where they knew the outcome may not be very promising. Right? <clears throat> but they knew, they knew who God was. And they put their lives in His hand. And I believe this, this is a message that we need to hear. I mean, I put my hand, I do put my life in God's hands. When I, I mean, I'm seriously 80 feet up in the air. I'm, I'm, not every time, but I'm putting my life in God's hands a lot. And sometimes it's when we want to be in the comfort zone, right? It doesn't work that way. you got to push out from shore. 
And there are those of you who were created to be out in the ocean. You see, you don't build a, a nice ship liner and keep it in a pond. No, that's not good. That's not good. You put it out in the ocean, and then you know what it's made out of. And it gets tested, right? Because that's how you build your faith. And some of you are in a point, in a position where God is wanting to move you. God is wanting to do something in your life. You've had a dream. Maybe you've just kind of given up on that dream. Or you've given up on that situation because you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not sure it's going to even take place, right? But when we look at the Word of God, when we look at it, and we think of the, the characters that God has shown us in the Bible, hold on. Hold on. Because it's going to come. And it's just like holding on to that promise, knowing that my God does not fail. That His Word will come through. That line in that song, I love it. That lyric that says, though the night lasts long, your Word will come to pass. And it's this, this holding on that you see. And, and it's the thing that you don't see. I mean, what makes a tree? If I look at a tree now, what makes that tree strong is what you don't see. And in Colossians chapter 2, 7, Paul says this. He says, I want you to be rooted. <clears throat> rooted in what? But rooted in a relationship that you continually are going deeper and deeper with God and knowledge. So when you're in a situation, you know how to act. You know the wisdom that comes. Put that relationship first. I was really encouraged at one of the uh, uh, job sites I was at, and I talked to this lady who, who's a Christian lady, and how she talked about her son and how he was in relationship with this girl, but he wasn't living for God. He knew about God, but he wasn't going after God. And in this situation, he found himself going after, hanging around, first of all, with the wrong crowd. He was doing the drugs. He was drinking. And in this situation, he realized that he wasn't really, you know, advancing. There wasn't much momentum in his life. And so this girlfriend of his said, you know, you got to make a choice here. She says, you got to choose Jesus. And if you don't choose Jesus, this relationship is over. And good for her because she put relationship with Jesus first. She put it at the top. And she said, this is so important to cultivate this. And so the guy was devastated. His heart, his, his mom told me, she said, listen, Raphael, he was so devastated when he had heard about this. That this girl said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my relationship with Jesus over you. And, and, you know, it was the best thing she did. And later on, he decided, you know, what's worth it? Because even James 4.4 talks about it. And we can be so easily enticed by what the world has to offer, but you cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of God. Because there's no contrast. The contrast between friend of the world and friend of God, it's different, different values. And so here in this situation, he had to make a choice. Which way, which way are, am I going to go? in this situation. And so he decided, I'm going to choose to not hang around with this crowd. I'm going to choose to go after, after God. Go after what God has for me. 
And because of that situation, they ended up back together again. It was a, pro a year in the process. But she stood for something. She realized that more important than anything else was that relationship with Jesus. And the question is, is that a priority in my life? Do I choose Jesus above all else? Now, they ended up getting married, and they're just on fire for God. But making that choice daily to say, God, in this situation, even though it may not look good, what may happen? I mean, we think of Daniel facing that situation himself. Daniel, guess what? You, you know, we're going to get you because we know that you bow down where you pray three times. And, and the king was upset about this, but they had basically cornered him into a situation where what was he going to do? But he knew, I know who you are. I know who you are. Sitting on a roof in India, I went around and I asked these, this group of guys, I said, what is it about God? What is it about God that speaks to you? Because if you have knowledge of God, you should be able to answer that. What is it the most, and if I asked you this right now, what is it most about God that speaks to you? Just think about that. I don't want to leave that place right now. What is it? And something should come to you. And this one guy said, and he had been a Hindu before, he said, the thing is, is that God's not angry with me. My God, the Hindu God, was angry with me. But this God is not. He's a loving God. He's a personal God. He wants to enter in to that situation. And so as we, as we think about God, what is it? Because I'm not going to go deeper with God in my relationship if there are negative things that I think about Him. And that's why Paul was challenging us to be in the Word. So important to be in the truth. So important to be following. Because you know what? I know. And I speak from experience. I know that when I start to neglect this Word, and when I start to neglect prayer, and when I start to neglect being in the presence, they, I, can't, I won't trust myself. I, get, I start getting weak, right? And things that used to not appeal to me start to appeal to me. And this is what Paul was saying to this church in Colossae. He says, watch out, because there's, there's this, just this thing about idols. There's this thing about your affection to guard your heart. Because out of it are the issues of life, and you can begin to see things that would start to take that place, or things that would come in, enter in, and before you know it, when you do that checkup, and you start to say to yourself, okay, what's going on with my heart? i got to do that checkup right now. i got to say, how much do I love you, Jesus, right now? Or maybe I love this a little more. Maybe I love this too much. Because that's why Jesus, isn't it true that Jesus said that to us? Like he said, you know, if you're going to be my disciple, you got to forsake everything. Wait a minute, man. I got this like, ah, oh, man, I want to buy this house and I got to, you see, that's what the world tells you. But you can't take it with you. We all know that, right? 
And Jesus would talk about this in a parable where he said, sometimes it's so easy to get the wrong values, to allow these things to enter into my mind, enter my heart, and I begin to chase them. I begin to go after them, and I'm saying, man, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm wasting all this time. And Jesus is saying, that's why he says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will, I will, I will. It doesn't say maybe, I will give you rest. Man, I need that rest. How many of you need that rest? Come on. <laughs> the world wants us to chase. I mean, you can see it on advertising, right? You can see it on social media. We're so interested in getting all those likes because they validate us. No way. It's the wrong place. Don't go to that well. Don't go to that place. Don't go there. Don't go there because it's not going to be what you expect it to be. The enemy's lying to you. When you go and you start drinking that, you're going to say, no, it tastes good. But when it starts to enter and goes deep inside you, it's not going to be nutritious for you. It's not going to enable you. But Jesus says, I will give you rest. So when you chase after him and you say, well, it involves discipline. Yes, it does. It does involve choices. It involves making time. And I'll do that. I mean, yes, I have a business to run, but I'll take a day. If I need that day, I'll take that whole day off. And I'll find a place where I can get recharged, renewed, where I can get filled up again. And that is so important. That's why it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why it says, Jesus said it. He said, like, look at this vine. We're all part of that vine. But, and we get our sustenance from Him. He said, without me, you can do nothing. But you know what? Sometimes I think I can do it. I think I can swing it. I think I can do it without Him. But until all of a sudden I realize I'm hitting a wall, I can't get you know, over this wall right now. It's kind of hard. I can't climb a wall. I can climb a tree. But, uh, but you see, so Jesus wants to show us, and he puts us in this place because the reason he puts us in this place is because he wants to do a hard checkup on us. Sometimes we're wondering why things are not happening in my life or why things are not unfolding like they should, destiny-wise, whatever it might be. And the reason is, where is your heart? Because maybe in that situation, if that did happen, it would take you farther away from Him. Isn't the Father good that way? Because He knows where you should be and what you should do and everything. And He'll build it up. And it's so true. Faithful. Be faithful in the little. That's what you're looking for. God's looking for that. It may be just something that you don't even think is very significant, but to God it is. And it tells, you, it tells Him where your heart is. Because God's not going to put you out on the ocean if you don't know where the rudder is, right? That'd be bad. That would be bad if you didn't know, right, where the rudder was. Or you just learned today what a keel was on a sailboat, right? Because we want, I want God's wind to come into my sails and blow me to where he wants me to go. Because sometimes I fight it, and I know you do too, and if you were honest enough, you'd say, yeah. I fight it too. Because it's the flesh, and the Bible talks to us about the flesh, and it says, what is it? It says there's a wrestling going on with inside of you, and it's the flesh and the spirit. And it also says, oh, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. 
And so I know that there's this wrestling going on me. I know really what I want to do, but I got to be careful. We all got to be careful because here's what? Distractions. How many here are distracted people? Come on. Honesty in this place. Thank you. Thank you. We got some honesty happening here. That's a good sign, guys. That's a good sign. Because you know what? Unless I start to take ownership, unless I start to see, then I'm not going to be able to move forward. I got to take ownership. And I'm a distracted person. I'll be like, okay, I got to do this. And then all of a sudden, something else will come up. And next thing, oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I say, what was I supposed to be doing? Oh, yeah. Come on, you've been there, right? You know, you're just saying, okay, you got this a great agenda going on, man. Today, man, I'm just going to do this. Okay, some of you, maybe you're a musician. I'm going to practice like three hours on the guitar. And you end up spending five minutes because you were doing something else that you should have been doing, right? Come on. Right? And God said, listen, I wanted you to have this time. And you know the amazing thing, guys, and I'm not trying to come down hard on you or anything, but the amazing thing is that when we do fail and we mess up, that's why our God is so loving. He's there for us. Psalm, it says Psalm 145, 8, it says, you know, God is merciful and kind. And it says when you fail, He still loves you. And some of, some of us get into that situation where we, sit, we, we beat ourselves up. And you don't need to beat yourselves up about it. But you do really need to know that distractions will cause you from being where God wants you to be. Right, Daisy? That's right. She went to the right. Okay. Awesome. So we've got one person and that agrees with me. So we're working. Holy Spirit's working on you. So, but the thing is, is that these distractions can cause me to lose the love that I have for God. Now, God loves me. There's no question in my mind that God loves me, and, and that's not an issue at all. But Paul, he's writing here and saying, listen, be careful. Watch out, because there are these idols. Watch out. He says, listen, stay well-grounded and settled, not shifting or moving away. That's 23, 123. Okay? Stay well-grounded, settled, steadfast, not shifting or moving away from the hope, which rests on and is inspired by the glad tidings, the gospel. He says, what you heard, which is preached, it's the power of God, the power of God in your life, the Holy Spirit that comes within you. I mean, we have the amazing thing. Think about it right now. Okay, put your hand. I don't know where you want to put it, but put it on your chest somewhere. I don't know. Put it in your stomach, whatever you want to put it on. Just put it on, your, on yourself right now. Now, right now, if you are a believer, if you are a true believer here this morning, Holy Spirit is within you. Are you listening to him? Are you staying in tune with him? Because he really wants to move you. And not only that, he's very jealous for you too. Isn't that awesome? He's not about to let you get too far away from God, that he's going to keep you close. I mean, that's, that's so important. I mean, so many people will, will chase things. And that's what I loved about this girl. It really, really spoke to me that she said, I am choosing Jesus over you and this, over this relationship. Because she was smart enough to know that if she had chosen this guy, would he have really changed? You see, we can't just enable him. And that's one of the things that I find so true is sometimes um, we can enable others. You cannot be the Savior to them. You can pray for them, but you cannot be the Savior to them. I remember this guy who got, he was in basketball, he had an injury, and he started to do got some drugs from the doctor, and then he ended up getting into this habit where he started to go after the drugs because he really liked the feeling they were giving him. And obviously, he wasn't going to the true source. He knew about God, but he didn't really know God. You know what I'm saying? Know who he is. Know what God can do. And so, 
he made choices that weren't really healthy. And these choices started leading him down a path. And this path was a way. But you know what? He started to steal money from his parents. He stole thousands of dollars from his parents to, to, to keep this habit going. But it wasn't until the point his mom said to him, you're out. <laughs> she said it. She laid it on the line. She said, you know, you're out of this house. Goodbye. He couldn't believe it. What? No, you are out. Because this is the choices you're making are not healthy. And they're destructive. And he ended up hitting rock bottom, basically. But in his testimony, he said this is what brought him back to Jesus. He got to the point where he realized, you know what? Don't enable them. Let Jesus deal with them. And that's what happened to him. He says, no one enabled me. I got to the point where I realized the only one that could get me out of this mess was Jesus. He was the source. He was the only one. And that's when he made that decision. And that's the problem sometimes. You know, we get enabled, right? We find out, okay, I'm going to get my comfort over here. I'm going to find out maybe this is going to... But you know what? It's only lasts for a little while, so why do it, right? Why be the friend of the world? Because you know the world's only going to ditch you. You might choose it, right? It might be a fix for now. It might be... But if we just kept pursuing and said, okay, Jesus, this is it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to walk with you. No matter how difficult it gets. No matter when those waves get up really high. I mean, I think about that. Come on, think about that with me. We're in the boat. Okay, we're all in a boat. You haven't been sailing? I'm going to take you sailing right now. <clears throat> in your imagination. Okay, so we're in the boat. <clears throat> we're with... We're with the, I mean, the storm, the waves are getting really high. And the amazing thing about that is that the Bible says this in the Psalms. It says that when you put somebody in a boat and there's like waves that are huge, you know, I don't know if you've seen the, the movie The Perfect Storm where the boat goes, Ooh, I've never been in that, but that's crazy. Like it just goes to the depths of the sea up like that. Man, a lot of us would be like, where? We wouldn't even be holding our food down. And we're going down and up. It'd be like crazy. You'd be looking at me like, what is going on? Now, I'm not saying that this situation happened to the disciples, but they were definitely in a boat. They definitely were scared. They were so scared for their lives. And it says in Mark chapter 9, here they were in this storm. And they lost sight of Jesus. I know who you are. They lost sight because Jesus was in the boat. And they looked at Jesus and they said, man, I feel like we're going to die. I feel like, Pastor, don't you really care? I mean, how many been in that situation, you know, where we say, God, do you really care about me? Because I'm having a difficult time right now. And those waves are looking pretty high. And I think that I'm, I, you know what? I don't know if I can even swim. Right? And I don't, even, I don't think they even had life jackets. So <laughs> here they are, or lifeboats, whatever. But then the boat wasn't big enough to have a lifeboat. So here they are, and Jesus is in this boat. And I love it. I love this, that Jesus, they wake him up. And, and, he, and he basically says this. He says three words. What were they? Three words. Peace, be still, right? And now, sometimes he wants to take us through the ways, right? But in this situation, he showed by, by demonstrating who he was. That he had, that with just some words, that he, he could do that. Now, sometimes he, he'll make you go through the storm, right? To build that character of the faith in you.
But in this situation, he showed them. And then, you know what the, the disciples' reaction was? You can read it in Mark, I believe it's Mark 9. But the reaction was this, and they had been around Jesus. I mean, you're obviously seeing him. So I want you to take comfort in that too, because even the disciples weren't sure. But they were getting to know who he was and everything like that, right? So take comfort in that. But they basically said, who is this? This man that even the sea and the wind obey him. That was their response. And sometimes I, I, I just believe that sometimes we get ourselves in situations where, you know, the ways are high or, or things are happening and, and we, we just need to just realize who's with us. Holy Spirit. And to go deeper with God. And, and there could be something that God, you have to say, God, what, are you, what is the situation that you're trying to do in me? Because God wants you to see him as who he is. This great God who is able, who can deliver, who can save, who is the king, who is righteous. And he wants you to get this picture. Because sometimes our picture is like small. And we need a huge landscape picture of who he is. I want to know more. And I know that you're here and you want to know more. And there is more to God than more to discover about him than you could ever imagine. Sometimes I wonder if it's our lack of imaginations to begin to see what God is like and what he can do through us because sometimes we settle for the less when God wants to take us and put us on that ocean. And you, don't, you know what? You'll begin to discover what he can do through you and you'll be in awe because when you'll be cutting through those waves, you'll begin to see and you'll begin to trust him more and you won't be about control it won't be about control. I gotta have this situation. I gotta have this happen or this. No, no, we won't be about control. We'll be about abandonment. Abandonment into that place where God takes us and moves us. And it may just be in a situation where God wants you to speak to someone. It might be in a situation where God wants you to step out financially. But you're gonna do it because You've heard the voice. You've clearly, Holy Spirit. You know, guys, when I was only um, 19 years of age, um, that wasn't too long ago. No, it was. Um, <clears throat> but when I was 19, I was um, at Bible college, and there was this opportunity to go to Buffalo, New York and do inner city ministry work. It was crazy because I was a white guy and all the kids were African American. And, um, but you know what? I loved them. And that's what qualified me. And every day I would be with these kids, kids who've never even experienced, who didn't know what it was like when you would take them on a camping trip. They had never been outside the city. And I still remember to this day, some of those kids just, you know, begin learning what it was like to be outdoors and loving it, getting to know that. But, you know, as a 19-year-old, the staff was really, we had short, uh, shortage on staff. So I was asked to do interviewing, to interview 
uh, men that would come into this mission to see whether they qualified or not to be able to stay because they had like this place at the back of the a city mission in Buffalo, New York where they had these bunk beds where you could actually, you know, you'd stay for the night for, for a week, whatever you needed to. But I had to interview them. So that night I was put in a position I wasn't qualified for. I was not qualified for this position. But I was put into this position as a 19-year-old. And I remember sitting in this office and this 43-year-old guy coming in and I had, to, I had to ask him some questions. And as I was asking him the questions, Holy Spirit said to me, he's lying to you. And I said, he's lying? And I said, whoa. No, the Holy Spirit said to me, no, you know, he's lying to you. So I had to call him out. So I had to be in tune with the Spirit. I had to know. See, that's the thing. When you know Jesus, when you know what the Spirit is doing. So I called him out. I said, you're lying to me. And he says, no. And he denied it right there and then. So I had to know whether the Holy Spirit was true. So I kept saying to him, I said, you are lying to me. And, and all of a sudden, he started breaking down and crying. And says, I am. I am lying to you. That's not my age. That's not who I am. And you see, as you know who the Father is, the Father is speaking to you and saying, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. You are a warrior. That's who you are. You are prayer. I love your heart. That's who you are. Don't listen to the doubts. Don't listen to the lies. He just wants to kill, steal, and destroy what God's put within you. I know who you are. Come on, Gideon. You're going to take it. You're going to take it. No way, man. I'm not qualified. I don't think any of these disciples were qualified. But you see, that's, that's the key. The key is when I take the moment to be in his presence, the moment to know then I can do. I, I can see that he is able. And I'll be able to call. Remember there were how many spies that went into the promised land? How many spies that, to check it out, to check out the promised land? How many of the spies were there? There were two. There was yeah, the two, but how many total spies? Twelve, right? So Joshua and Caleb were the two. So, and all these spies, they came back. And you know what? The report of the ten were, they were looking through their natural eyes. You see, it says in the Word of God that the natural man cannot receive the things of God. You can't receive it. If you're going to try to receive it, sister, if you're going to try to receive it in the natural, you ain't going to get it. Okay? It says the natural man cannot receive the things of God. It's the spiritual man. Get your spiritual eyes on. I feel a song coming on. Spiritual eyes. Get your spiritual eyes on. Got to get a song. But get your spiritual eyes on. Because as you begin to see, as you begin to see, as you begin to see, you're going to see the greatness of God. You're not going to be overwhelmed. Come on, Daniel. I don't think you should pray. And Hey, Daniel, what are you doing? Opening your window so people can actually see that you're praying? How stupid is that? You know what's going to happen. You're going to end up in this den of lions. Wait a minute. 
Daniel, you know who, you know who, you know who, you know who. I know who he is. I know who he is. And I'm putting my life in his hands. I'm putting my life in his hands. That's what I'm going to do. Some of you have been holding back here this morning. Some of you have been holding back. You say, God, I'm going to give you maybe 50% of my life. Ain't going to happen. Some of you have got to put your life into his hands. He's saying, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Come. I'm waiting. Because he wants to do amazing things through you. And you've been disqualifying yourself. Because you need to know who he is. You need to know who he is. And if you were to just put yourself in his hands and begin to imagine what he could do through you, yes, little old you, and start to get spiritual eyes, what ground you could take over. You see, they came back, 10 negative verses, and all it was was, oh yeah, the grapes are big. Everything about the promised land is as you say it, but listen, there's giants in the land. <laughs> oh man, there's giants in our land too. There are. There's giants. What are the giants in your land? What are the giants that you make out to be? And you know, it was so crazy because in that story, Joshua and Caleb said, wait a minute, you know, no, we can do this. They totally, I mean, there were giants in the land. They're not trying to downplay the fact that, hey, we're living in a troubled world. We do have all these, they're not downplaying any of that. The reality is, is yes, they, they, these are where the circumstances are, this, this, and this. But guess what? Our God is able. Our God is able. My God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I. Ephesians 3.20, who has it memorized? Okay, that's your homework this week. Memorize it. Ephesians 3.20. Okay, let's hear it again. Ephesians 3.20. Somebody, somebody's got it, right? I will what? Do exceedingly abundantly more than you ask. Ask, oh wow, ask, I mean, that's crazy. Or what? Think, oh, you're kidding me. You mean I'm going to get amazing God thoughts? Yes, yes, you will. Guarantee you that. But you got to put your place. You got to put yourself, you got to put your heart in the right place. Your heart has to be in the right place because God wants to work through a vessel that's, that's, that's committed to Him. He wants to use you as a vessel, as this cup that he can pour out on others. He'll fill it up. Fill it up, God. Fill it up. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. But make sure you get filled up. Pour it out. Because he wants to use you. So that you'll be able to say, listen, there's giants in the land. My reality is right now, this is what's going on with me. This is my circumstances. Blah, blah, blah. Guess what? A Tesla's coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. A Tesla's coming. And now I'm talking spiritually here. I know some of you want to claim that physically. That's up to you. But spiritually now, spiritually now, it's coming. Listen, guys, I was, I was before I even going to Cuba, before when we, I was in, in, the, in Raleigh in January, I um, got this situation 
And I, and I was saying, God, I'm just so open. I want to be so open. Please, God, I don't want to be closed-minded. I don't want to be like looking. And sometimes it's so easy to do that. I know it is. So easy to, to let our eyes focus on the natural, you know, to focus on the natural, to say, wow, man, our world is just heading down. This like, oh, man, it's just crazy. But you know what? That's what God, the, you know, the devil, the enemy wants you to do. But you just turn the situation around and start declaring what, what God's going to do. And then you start going out there and, and, and declaring kingdom. Isn't it true we're supposed to pray kingdom come to earth, right, as it is in heaven? So in this situation, I'm like driving by this guy, and he notices the branches in the truck. And he says, hey, can you do a couple bushes for me, which is being takes out some bushes. I said, no problem. I had no idea. And I'm thinking, this guy's like, I don't know, man, because this is like, I got to do this, and this is going to be a distraction, but maybe it's a good distraction. And so anyways, I ended up doing that. It turned out to be more, and it turned out that this guy was a software engineer for Ubisoft. For any of you who are, he's a game developer, a video game, so you know that that guy's doing pretty well off, right? So anyways, but he owned a Tesla. He owned a Tesla. So I'm just, I just want to give you some really, the whole, you say, what's the point of this message? The point is, is this. You're going to grab a hold of this because you're going to see God in a whole new way. You're going to put some spiritual eyes. You're going to see God in a whole new light. And you're going to start on this discovery. I've got to discover more to God. I don't want you to wake up tomorrow morning saying, well, I know everything. You don't know everything about God. Begin to discover because God wants to do amazing things in you. And that's where this is leading. But here's what happened. I had no idea. I had no expectation. But this guy just said, I'm going to take you out for lunch in my Tesla. So I never thought I'd be in a Tesla. But here I am sitting in his Tesla. It gets better than this, folks. It gets better than this. I wasn't just sitting in the Tesla. Okay, and a Tesla, for those of you who don't know what, okay, it depends if you don't know what a Tesla is. Wow, okay, so I want to explain. A Tesla is a car basically maintenance-free. It's run on batteries, okay? It's a very expensive car, and it's also, just to give you a little indication why, is that it's an autopilot. So if this car, if you were to fall asleep at the wheel, which is what happened to this guy, it basically takes over and pulls you off to the side of the road and wakes you up by honking the horn and flashing the lights. That's what kind of car this is. It has sensors all the way around it. The technology on this car is so amazing. And it will, like, drive itself because this guy did that for me. He says he took his hands off the wheel while I was in there. And I was going, whoa. I'm going, like, this is crazy. And, and uh, it did go over the line, though, I noticed a little on one side. But, um, <clears throat> and then he got out of the car and said, let it park itself. It parked itself. And uh, so that's the kind of car this is. It's got huge batteries. They say that it's got enough power in it. To heat to to put electricity in a house for two weeks. So just to give you an idea, okay? So now here's the situation. He says, "Do you want to drive my Tesla?" Okay, come on. Do you want to drive my Tesla? What kind of question? Like, do you want to drive my Tesla? Do you think I had to think about that? Do you think, let me just give that a thought. Let me just give that like five minutes of reflection before I decide. No, that was, that was just, I don't know, yeah. And then, then, then he says to me, it gets better. He says, no, I was going to say, you can, get, you can keep it. No, I didn't say that. But um, that would have been great. But, but he said this. He said, listen, he said, drive it the way you want to drive it. 
right? Just drive it. So I did. And I just, I wanted to see how fast it could go. And, and he was okay with it too. But, but here's where, where I'm going with this. It's just before that happened, I remember a lady praying with me, Ephesians 3.20, above all that we can ask or think. I, I wasn't even asking for that. But it was an amazing experience to drive in a car that, that could, I, I couldn't believe how fast. But what I'm saying is in a spiritual realm, let's take that over into a spiritual realm. Sometimes we just expect the worst. Well, I got to suffer for Jesus. Yeah, we do go through sufferings. But, but Paul keeps trying to remind us that the treasure is him. The treasure is him. So even though, and he, and he always says, whatever the bad times, whatever, even if it is, it, it's very small compared to what God's going to give you. And he keeps reminding us, and then, because the enemy wants to put us in a position where we're basically not able to function properly. And the reason we're not able to function is because of the fact that we've allowed these negative reports to come into our mind, and we think of the giants more than we think of God. Come on. Come on. That's right. We think of the giants more than we do. Right? Right, guys? Isn't that true? Okay. So, we think of it. And so what God is saying is, I want to release you from this this morning. Let's stand this morning. Let's stand this morning. Because God wants to release us. I mean, we want to go deeper with Jesus. We want to be choosing. Guys, I really, really believe, choose Him. Choose Him. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you've only got one life. And if you start investing and making your choices to put everything in a nice house and in a car and all those things, they're going to let you down. You're going to be running after the wind, so to speak. And with Jesus, you can't, you can't be in neutral. There is something about Jesus. You either have to go into forward or reverse with him. For those of you who like driving standard. So you have to go into forward or reverse. You either have to realize that Jesus is the one because he paid the price on the cross. He shed his blood for you. No one else would do that. No one else. The world won't even blink an eye. But he did that for you. And this morning, you have an opportunity to respond to that by saying, Jesus, I choose you. I'm tired of choosing my own, making my, myself the boss in my life because you know what? Here's the opportunity this morning is for you to respond and say, Jesus, I'm going to bow my knee. I'm going to say, Jesus, I want you. You are the treasure because you paid for it all. You paid for my sins. Whatever carrying, whatever weight you're carrying, this is a moment you will not regret. 